Parenting is hard. Few of us feel up to the task. The world is shifting, quickly and dramatically. All of us feel the changes affecting our families. The stress and pressure can be intense. We are here to help sort the good and the bad, provide insight and bring hope. Welcome to Brilliantly Brave Parenting. We're so glad you stopped by. Hi, and welcome to Brilliantly Brave Parenting. I am Pastor Brad Mathias, your co-host. And I'm Melanie Medina, the other co-host. She is the Red River Valley representative in the studio today. Did you just call me a valley girl? I I think I did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So for those who aren't familiar with the North Texas geography, where is the Red River Valley, Melanie? Well, the Red River Valley is located along the Red River. Which is the okay. northern border of <laughs> <So> Texas, <laughs> between Texas and Oklahoma. So the real question is, do you root for Oklahoma or Texas? Uh, the real answer is Texas. Okay. Well, I've gotten in trouble with that assumption before. I'm not going to name names or, or anything <laughs> like that. But uh, some people are very, very sort of persnickety about their teams down there. Well, it's true. In fact, I was born into a fan, Malie. And... <laughs> Okay. I've yes. heard that before. That's good. It's true. Um, we're Texas Rangers, Dallas Cowboys, UT fans. Mm. So frustrated fans. All the way around. Yeah. So sorry. Well, uh, today we have a special guest, and this is one of those people that I sort of found um, through one of my kids. Who's so a, cool. Yeah. And so he's based out of Chattanooga. He started a ministry that's really growing and I think it needs uh, to grow more. His name is Tony Souder. Welcome to Brilliantly Brave Parenting. It's great to be here. Thanks, Brad. Tony, and- yeah, I, you, you are tapping into something that has been part of the heartbeat of uh, really the last 10 years, which a, a lot of Christian ministries have started to realize based on the Barna research, Orange Company, uh, Orange Ministry did a, a thing. I think Lifeway did some studies and then um, you've actually did one uh, or at least are affiliated with this sticky parenting or sticky church ministries. Yeah. Uh, the bottom line is that a significant percentage of our youth are not claiming the faith of their parents. And there is a, a migration really out of the church in the last decade. And a lot of people are wringing their hands about this, but you're one of the few guys I've come across who's doing something about it. Tell us how the, how the Pray For Me campaign got started. Yeah, I have been involved in youth ministry probably for 30 plus years. And as we were, as our ministry, which is the Youth Leader Collective, and then you got the Pray For Me side, there's those two components. Then they're under a parent ministry called 100 Years, because we're trying to help the individuals, families, and churches make a difference for generations to come. So uh, as we were looking at the research that you just mentioned, uh, we realized that Um, One of the key factors of those that stay connected to the church and flourish in their faith is that they have multiple adult believers investing in their lives. And so when we came across that piece, we decided we were going to try to drill down into that and figure out how can we get more adults, connect with more young people more naturally than ever before. Mm. Um, It's not a new question and it's not, we're not the first people to try to ask that question, but for us, it was, we needed to drill down in it not let it go and see if we could figure out a way to do it. And so after a number of months of drilling down into that, um, 
it wasn't a clean process by any stretch, but, but the pray for me campaign really emerged out of that. I'm listening and Melanie shaking her head in the, in the studio with me. Uh, we're very aware that the culture is really beginning to impact the church. Like we can see it in our own kids and grandkids. Uh, just the culture around us is becoming increasingly hostile uh, to the Judeo-Christian ethics of the past. And the biblical model for life is being eroded uh, right now in our time. And I think there's a lot of uh, fear that jumps from that. There's a lot of uh, just sort of hyperactivity that the church can respond. And one of the things that I love is the fact that you took the time to say, what is the biblical response to a cultural shift? And the answer was prayer. Yeah. That's a very simple but profound response. Tell us. Yeah. Tell us that. Tell us how you went through that yeah. process. Yeah. Part of the, part of the, when you start asking the questions, how can you get the adults connect with more teenagers more naturally? Um, you, there's, there's all kinds of um, barriers there. So you're trying to eliminate the barriers that adults have because they're intimidated many times by young people. Um, and so you're trying to eliminate those barriers, but you're not trying to shift it all over onto the young person and make it them have to carry the heavy load to try to connect with adults. And as we kind of looked at that more and more, we realized, okay, prayer is the most basic aspect of the Christian life. Um, and if we kind of came at this um, through the the... the the gateway of prayer, then what happens is that any adult that's praying for a young person, it transforms their life and their connection and concern for that young person. But it also knits them even more deeply with their Heavenly Father themselves. And so in some ways, we were trying to do adult discipleship, but also trying to create uh, intergenerational relationships that are rooted in uh, life-giving supernatural goodness that comes from God rooted in prayer. So um, as we looked at that, we realized that by starting with prayer, we made it accessible to any adult in the church. Any adult in the church can pray for a young person, um, whether they uh, ever would step into a youth room or not. Um, but because we also looked at because part of the, the kind of the beauty of one of the layers, I think there's layers of beauty with the Pray For Me campaign. One is that it starts with prayer, but it also makes it where we try to set it up in churches where young people actually invite the adult to, to the adults from three different generations to be what we call their prayer champions for a school year. And it's, they're not prayer champions because of the best prayers around, but they're prayer champions because they're willing to champion the cause of this young person to the before the throne of God. And so, um, so well, what happens when a young person comes and invites, hey, say, Mr. Brad, will you be one of my prayer champions? Well, when he does that, um, or if he comes up, Miss Melanie, will you be one of my prayer champions? But when that happens, they're building an invisible bridge between themselves and you so that when you see them in the hall, you're not wondering, should I go talk to Tony or not? Um, because I've already invited you into my world. And, and that has been a kind of a, a revolutionary piece because you're trying to make it easy for both the adults who care about young people and young people who love to be cared for by adults, trying to bridge that gap between those two in a way that is healthy and vibrant and 
really natural, as, as natural as it can be when you're trying to create these new relationships. I really like that word you used, bridge, <clears throat> because you're not just crossing um, these generational lines. You're you're bridging denominational lines, making it interdenominational as well, aren't you? Yes, yes. It, we're uh, the the Pray for Me campaign started with eight test churches here in Chattanooga, um, four different denominations. The churches ranged from fifty members to fifteen hundred member. Um, in those first eight churches, there was 1,100 adults that said, yes, I'd be willing to be a prayer champion wow. for you. Um, now there's over 565 churches in 42 states um, and seven foreign countries that are have launched the Pray For Me campaign. But there's Ezra in like, I think it's either 15 or 17 denominations uh, across the country. It's fabulous. That, that is absolutely fabulous. fabulous. So as you're as you're talking, I'm listening, and I'm, I'm I find myself a young grandparent. I'm 50. I have two small grandchildren, um, married 28 years, and I I'm just old enough to sort of begin to act like a grandpa. Um, <laughs> it, you know, at least in my mind, what a grandfather is supposed to look and act. I don't have the gray eyebrows yet, but um, <laughs> you know, I I noticed that. Uh, older folks, and I'll, I'll include myself in that that rough demographic. We like to give advice, right? Like we we've got the wisdom of the ages, so mm-hmm. to speak. But really, that doesn't necessarily change a person's life. Whereas prayer actually would. And so, the for me, this is a practical sort of uh, extrapolation of my great wisdom <laughs> to actually <laughs> say, you know what, Brad, uh, might be better for you to pray for these kids and to think about what is wrong in their life and how to correct it. Have you come across that at all, Tony? Yeah, yeah. What it does is it creates that natural relationship so that that uh, an adult who does have a, a well uh, a deep wellspring of wisdom to offer, um, many times they don't have young people in their world that are listening. And so because this creates these natural relationships that there creates actually opportunity for them to actually speak into the life of a young person or ask questions. Um, but it begins with prayer and that, that softens the adults hearts too. Right. Um, they're, they're caring for that young person, um, through the lens of praying scripture for that young person and it, it changes their heart for that young person so that when they're not as um, maybe as readily, hopefully, um, to just dispense maybe more corrective information to a young person, but really engage with them to, to know what's going on with their life. I, um, just real quickly, I was, I was with a, 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 a senior citizen. Not, not that you're a senior citizen there. Um, Brad at all. It's coming. It's coming. But, uh, but I was with a senior citizen the other day, and he was telling me about his relationship with his prayer champion. Oh. I mean, with his, with his the, the person that he's praying for, and he's able to speak into this young person's life, and and about things that are important, and because he's because she has invited him to pray for her, and as a result, what's happened is he he looked at me. He goes, you know, I wouldn't have this relationship with this young person today because he's no longer in youth ministry. And he says, I wouldn't have this relationship with this young person today outside of the pray for me campaign. So it's giving him access to be able to invest in the next generation, um, beginning with prayer, but, but then there's other things too. And it gives 
that young person this safe adult relationship um, beyond the the just the family uh, atmosphere, mm-hmm. uh, which is actually vital for us to, for a young person to thrive. I mean, what you're describing is a very dynamic back and forth here. This isn't just a static someone on a prayer list. And, you know, once a week you sort of add their name to a generic prayer. This sounds like something very dynamic, very engaged, very personal that affects everyone involved. Uh, It really does, Brad. I mean, the the reality of, uh, well, I'm praying for a sixth grader this year and his name's Clayton. But my last year I had another sixth grader who was named Andrew. Well, Andrew finds me every week at church. So I'm, and I know he finds me because next thing I know he's there. <laughs> he's <laughs> he's kind of shuffling around my feet, give me a little bump over on the shoulder and let me know I'm there. We interact a little bit and then he scurries off. But but he's finding me because he knows I'm a safe place. I'm somebody that's in his world, an adult that cares about him. Um, and to me, that that is life changing when you also realize that even though I've got a background in youth ministry, there's lots of adults that don't have that. And so those young people are also looking for them, but those adults are looking for their young people too. Um, and it makes a difference that that on a Sunday morning, they're look the uh, these two different generations or multi generations looking for each other to find out what's going on in their lives because the young people's looking for the adult because they love to be cared for. The adults are looking for the young people because they've been praying. This is very intentional from both yeah. sides. Very intentional. And beautiful in its simplicity. Like you don't have to really explain this too much. Mm -hmm. You can get it pretty quick, but it's very, very practical. I mean, it it really sort of takes the secular idea of it takes a village, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and then contextualizes it to be a very, you know, Christ centric process. Um, I I'm listening to you. I'm, I'm a church planner from New England now. And uh, I work with parishes in Maine and in New Hampshire. A lot of the parishes there are quite elderly. A lot of those uh, those churches have people, you know, well into their 60s or 70s and uh, not a, not as many children. Is there a way for a church like that to partner, say, with another church that has kids? Or do you have a way for them to engage? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, you know, there's no, re- we don't have anything in place that says, okay, you can actually uh, connect with another church. A lot of that's relationally as a church planner, you could actually be a catalyst for that. Um, as you come in contact with other churches in that, that are in that uh, realm. Uh, but, but one of the things is that there, um, especially with those older I mean, we're getting ready. They don't have to have this um, because there's there's grandparents that are praying for their grandchildren right now using uh, the prayer guides that I wrote to help the adults pray scripture for the young person in seven central categories. Um, so that's happening. I mean, we're coming out with a grandparent edition of that. But um, but it, but the the seniors, these churches filled with senior saints that care about young people. People, they've got young people in their life. They just don't, they're not in their churches, most likely, um, whether they're grandchildren or great grandchildren. Um, it would be, it'd be great if there was a way, um, and a lot of it's you know, all about context. 
um, depending on the context of where that church is, if there's a school or something near them that they could actually be praying for kids at those schools or um, or with partnering with another church that has um, young people that they could be praying for. Because that's be a, a, a great way to do it. But do, we don't have anything in place that says, OK, here's how we do that kind of thing. Well, maybe we'll have you on next year and do a part two on that discussion. Cause I, I was already thinking of some Awana clubs and, and Bible clubs, some interdenominational parachurch groups that are out there that have a lot of kids. Right. Um, I think this could really make a significant impact in churches that are aging out and uh, a practical way that they could engage their community. So here's a question. Um, yeah. If a church, if someone's listening right now and there will be uh, people who would be very interested in finding out more about the Pray For Me campaign. Where would they go? What would they do for a next step? Yeah, they would go to the, our website, PrayForMeCampaign.com. And there's these three simple steps that um, that makes it easy for them to launch the Pray For Me campaign. They can go there. There's a, a key kind of a video that helps them understand what's it mean to be a prayer champion. Um the, the, there's a whole launch kit on the website um, that helps them to understand how this would take place in their church. Uh, that's that's the, the easiest way. And they can reach out to us. We're available via both through our website, email, or they can call us. Um, okay. Churches all the time. Now, I noticed on the, the website, you have different programs for grandparents, for students, for pastors, youth leaders. Like you've got specific resources that have been custom prepared for different age groups. Is that right? right. Yeah, we've tried to, try, what happened was this, Brad, it's not like we had this, it was this, we thought about this years in advance. I mean, the Pray For Me campaigns, January will be six years. We launched it in January of 2014. So um, when we launched it, we were trying to solve the you know, young people, teenagers leaving the church and trying to figure out how do we create these relational uh, this relational network they need to flourish in faith and life. And so once we launched it with those eight test churches I mentioned earlier, uh, we started getting calls from children's ministers saying, hey, this is great. You're doing this for teenagers, but really we need to start younger. Um, how do we do that? And so I ended up rewriting the, the prayer guide um, for so that you can pray for children, fifth grade and below. And so now it can be done for families, fifth with children fifth grade and below, um, then we said, "Hey, well, how do we how do we come alongside of students? Since prayer is the most basic aspect of the Christian life, and if someone's not praying well, it's impossible to walk with God well. And so, how do we help students to learn how to pray well? And that's when we created the student edition of the prayer guide. And then we're hopefully early next year we're coming out with the grandparent edition. So yes, there are there are layers of um, target audiences that we're trying to serve. Um, although I mentioned earlier that, you know, any grandparent can use any one of the prayer guides right now to pray. But what I found is that, and this is a strange thing that, that I was with a grand, uh, a grandfather who has 22 grandchildren. I gave him the prayer guide for, that you're praying for students. And at the end, he, he was giving it back to me. I said, no, that's for you. And I realized right then that if, he, if it had grandparent legacy edition on it, he would not have given it back to me. Right. He, he would have known that it was for him to pray for his grandchildren. 
And so that's that's really why we're coming out with the the grandparent edition, mainly to help the intergenerational relationships within the family, um, because there's can be distance even within family units. Uh, those relationships and we're trying to bridge that gap between there too is because none of us gets to be able to flourish in faith and life without the help of those that have gone before us. And so this pray for me campaign is really just a simple way of how do we help the church be the church and how do we help families be families, um, but rooted in prayer. And so that there's more conversation and more care that's, this beginning discipleship rooted in prayer. You know, um, I just want to mention this. I had, I was very blessed. I had um, amazing, godly grandparents, and I knew that they were always praying for me. I knew that there was a time of day when uh, the grandparents Sonnenberg were praying for me early in the morning. And I have no doubt that my Nana uh, prayed for me all day long, but yeah. not everybody has that set of grandparents that is, you know, you know, taking them to church every week or pouring into them, or maybe didn't even pour into their parents that they, they just, they just don't have that. So I see this as uh, an empowerment um, for uh, just a young person to say to someone, Hey, I, I want you to be like a stand in. I want you. And I love that you took it from it's three generations. Am I right on that? So they yeah. choose uh, three people from three generations mm -hmm. and they are they are creating a relationship and the foundation being prayer is just is tremendous. I know that um, my kids um, have extended family in our church. And they have other grandparents and they have other, you know, spiritual mamas and papas in the house, too. Um, but again, not everybody has. This. So I love that uh, that this is doing that and your your guides are empowering them. Um, I see um, that you have a, a, a survey happening this year uh, that you're asking grandparents. Tell me a little bit about that and how I, I think this must have come from that grandparent conversation you had. Yeah. One of the things um, I'm not a grandparent. Uh, my, my I have twin daughters that are 26 and um, they're not dating anyone. So I'm not like, I don't have, I don't have my, my vision for being a grandparent is in the distance. But, um, but what we realized as we were talking with grandparents and churches all around the country that we realized how, how do we provide this? And so for part of it was for me, I, God's given me a little bit of understanding about prayer, praying scripture, how do we, and helping people, people connect across generational lines. But, um, but I wanted to kind of tap into uh, what it looks like to feel like a grandparent and um, what are some of the challenges. And so we started doing a survey around of grandparents around the country. And I've done a number of face-to-face -face, uh, interviews with different grandparents that like that one with the, the 22 grand grandchildren um, around the country. And we're continuing to do that partly because it's through those that's giving me a lens and an understanding of some of the real challenges of what it's like to be a grandparent when, um, when you're, when maybe you're the, the geographical distance is far or the relational distance between you and your own children is far and you're, but you care about your grandchildren and you can't get past the relational difference distance that you have with your own children. Um, and so, so that's part of what we're trying to do there, but also trying to hear what are the, what are people, what are grandchildren, excuse me, grandparents doing um, that, that God's using 
to bless. And so there'll be sprinklings of that throughout the book as well. So um, that's, that's part of the reason why we've done that. Well, I think, you know, as I'm, as I'm listening to you, the practical nature of this impresses me because so much of the Christian media world is filled with great ideas, revealing insights, some deeper knowledge that someone missed. I mean, it's, it's sort of, you know, an exercise in sort of abstract thinking. And you've taken something very, very straightforward, something very practical and said, look at what this could do for everyone who touches this. All three generations will be radically impacted by focusing themselves in prayer for the help of another. And one of the great challenges uh, as we age is depression, right? Some of the the great issues that that are struggling uh, in the church are people who are isolated and depressed. And when you ask someone to pray for a younger student, you are redirecting all of that into the care of someone else. It's very biblical. It's very effective in bringing other people up in their faith. And uh, you're discipling the older people. You're connecting them with the younger and it is a beautiful picture of how the Bible describes the body of Christ, like how it's supposed to work. Right. So I, I'm I'm just sort of shocked at how straightforward and simple, but re- really it's quite comprehensive. Because if you've got people praying for each other, they're going to go out for pizza. Absolutely. You know, they're going to go bowling. They're going. Someone's going to learn about. World War Two, mm-hmm. you know, someone's going to learn about the latest Pokemon. You know, it's going. There's going to be an exchange here, way beyond just some spiritual prayer life. There's actually an exchange of life. Uh, yeah. that's beautiful, man. I'm really kind of moved by this. This is awesome. One of the things that um, we are thinking about. I mean, what we realize is that churches are doing this. Obviously, we we hope. I mean, our our desire is that. There wouldn't be a church in the U.S. that wouldn't be aware of that they could do it, um, whether they choose to. Timing a lot of times for churches is different. Who knows what? What are all the reasons um, are that maybe a church doesn't step into it right away? But I'm thinking about a parent. Here's what I do know: is that I've talked to lots and lots of parents. And I don't know any Christian parent that would not long for or does not long for having more of the body of Christ praying for their children. You're not wrong. (laughs) So many times the the barriers are not with the parents wanting it. Sometimes it's maybe just it's another thing added to the youth pastor's plate or the pastor's plate or whoever. And we've tried to design it so that they don't have to take it and run with it. They can get up somebody else. They can champion it within their churches. But even if that doesn't happen, Here's what I would encourage all the, the, the families and moms and fam- dads that are listening to the podcast is that you don't have to wait for your church to do it. You can actually sit down with your children and say, who, who are three? Th- if say you have one child, let's just keep it at one child. Who, who are three adults that we know that from different generations that we could ask to pray for you this year? And we're going to go ahead and buy the prayer guides and we're going to give them to these adults that are, we're going to ask to be, if they're willing to be prayer champions for you. And then next year we're going to get three new ones. So if from sixth grade to 12th grade, you can have 21 different adults that would be on your team praying for you to succeed in life and faith. 
And obviously, if you do it younger, you're going to have even more than that. Um, but I don't, if I'm a parent, I don't want you to hear that, okay, my church has to do this for us to, to take initiative. Um, you can be, begin to build the, the constellation of adults that are, that are encircling your kids um, in prayer. And I would encourage you to, to do that, whether your church decides to do it yet or not. Um, I would want you to not feel inhibited from being able to build that around your, your, your kids. And you can ask your parent, I mean, the pastor and uh, youth pastor, who are three adults that they know? I mean, you can, you can bring them into it, um, but, but don't be limited by if they're not ready to launch it yet. And these uh, these parents and uh, and their kids or grandparents, even whoever wants to jump in, like you're saying, they're doing it individually, can grab all these resources um, online. Correct. Correct. Yes, they can. Yes, they can. Yeah. And I mean, there's this little thing called social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that grandparents have moved into Facebook and taken it over, um, there's a really quick way for a parent to connect with three, say, elderly folk. <laughs> Uh, who who have a desire to invest in the next generation. They may not have any financial way to do that, but they sure could invest spiritually um, right. by becoming a prayer champion for their students. Yep. I'm really stoked about this. I, in fact, I'm going to, I'm going to probably contact you privately after uh, this week about how we could do this in new England, because I can see the, the connection here between these generations is so vital there more than anywhere I've ever been because so many of the churched uh, individuals in New England are well over 50, 60 years old. They're past retirement and very few children in the churches. And so I can see this strategically as a way of revival, really, uh, in New England. Yeah. One of the interesting things I've come across, I mean, obviously we've been doing this for six years now and and been spurred onto it more like eight and longer because we had to, the development of it. But um, just recently, this, these are resources that your the, the moms and folks that are listening to your podcast would want to know about. And, and you may already know about it, but uh, a new resource that came out from Barna um, called Faith for Exiles. Um, I'm going to hold it up to you, even though you, um, Faith for Exiles, uh, Five Ways to, for a new generation to follow Jesus in a digital Babylon by uh, David Kinnaman and Mark Matlock. That, I mean, it's good, and they give five ways to help the help families and churches. Um, but one of those is intergenerational relationships. And I would say that there, that intergenerational relationships are at the core. You can't do any of the other four without that. I mean, whether you're leading someone to, to trust Christ Almost always it's somebody that's older that's helping somebody younger. So there's all this intergenerational relationships for each one of those um, things that they're they're talking about in, in that book, which is a great book. But then um, I just came across a, a study that was done by a group called, well, it's not a group, it's a Pine Tops Foundation out of Seattle, Washington, um, called The Great Opportunity. It's a report. They, they compiled information from like, five different major studies that were done in the, in the U S one was Pew research and so forth, but they, they're kind of projecting what's happening. If trends of, uh, disconnectedness from the church for young people, a disaffiliation, they call it. If, 
if those current trends continue the way they are now, then in the next 30 years, we'll lose anywhere from 35 to 42 million young people that are in our churches now. Wow. So what you don't know is that this season uh, we're interviewing David Kinnaman. Uh, about that book. So just in a few episodes, our listeners will be able to find out more about uh, Faith for Exiles. And then uh, one of my friends is George Barna. So we're going to be talking to George about uh, some of his predictions that he made 20 years ago in revolutionary parenting that have all come true. Wow. Um, I I think it's, you know, I, I think that people who are paying attention are asking these questions and wondering, and it always amazes me how simple the answer is when we get right down to it. And it is investing our time in prayer for each other, being intentional. You've made a wonderful contribution to the body of Christ, Tony. And I want to thank you profoundly and sincerely. Yes. Because what you've done is you've helped us take an abstract idea and made it really tangible. And uh, there's a there's a lot of people who need to hear about what you're doing. And I'm just so grateful you came on today to share it with us. Well, thankful for what you guys are doing and making a difference for families all around the country. So Melanie has one hard question for you uh, to end up our interview. She she asks these hard questions. Before, <laughs> she's, she's tough. So, you know, buckle down. I'm nervous already. I have, I have three really good ones to choose from, but I um I want to ask you if there was there was someone in your life, um, like a grandparent, who um, profoundly affected you. If you could tell us a little bit about what that might have been in your own personal intergenerational relationship in your walk with the Lord. Oh, you just want me to cry. That's all you want to do. <laughs> no, I want to cry. <laughs> um, yeah, probably uh, the people that impacted me, probably in a very significant way. It was after I'd graduated from high school. I mean, that was a significant period because I came to Christ in between my junior and senior year in high school by a teacher. A teacher led me to the Lord. Um, so there's intergenerational there. And he basically discipled me during my senior year. But then I went off to college and God allowed him to connect with somebody at that college and said, hey, you, you should connect with this this fellow named Tony Souter. Uh He needs help. Um, so um <laughs> They did. They did reach out to me, and they ended up basically kind of adopting me. Not that I needed to be adopted. I had my own parents, but they basically adopted me spiritually, and um, and they just poured into me um, over and over again. And it turned out that they lived about two miles away from the girl that ended up, be, ended up being my wife. So when we started dating, I had a. This is not in the city that I lived in. Um, the, a different city. And it just so happened that she, they lived two miles away from the, the lady I ended up marrying. But, um, but I remember one night, um, I knew that I wasn't part of the family, but I was spiritually. I mean, they, they had welcomed me in a profound way. And I remember one night, all the real family, and I'm doing this quotation marks, all the real family was going to be there. And, and they were staying, spending the night. And so I knew that all the bedroom I usually had, that had, I had my own key to the house. Um, that bedroom was going to be taken. The living room was going to be taken. I had no idea where I was going to be. And I remember coming into the house and, um, and in the kitchen, um, Bob, Bob and Jean Akis, Bob had went out to the, the storage thing, pulled out a cot, brought it in, cleaned it up, put it, 
made a bed for me in the kitchen and had a note on the, the counter. Pepsi's in the fridge. Enjoy your night. And I remember just falling down on my knees and thanking the Lord that, that he was using these people to speak into my life and love me when I wasn't used to that at all. And so, so Bob and Gene Agus, they're actually, I dedicated the first book um, to them and the, the pastor and his wife that uh, really discipled my wife and me along the way. So there's, that's one, one story. And I can't help but cry whenever I talk about it. We're going to have to add tissues to the table when we do these podcasts. <laughs> that's that's incredible. I just love that. Well, I did warn you. That was a tough question. That is. It is. It's, it, it reaches in and grabs the heart. And because unless unless you don't have that, um, I am thankful that God in his mercy allowed me to be uh, cared for by them in a profound way. and. Um, and that, I don't take that lightly. That was a, that was a gift that didn't have to happen. So, yeah. And, you know, one of the great uh, sort of tongue in cheek moments about our podcast is we call ourselves the brilliantly brave parenting podcast, but the reality is we, we don't feel that way. None of yeah. us feel brilliant or brave as parents. Right. None of us feel like we know what we're even doing as a parent. And so when you have a community of faith that can tangibly come alongside of a parent, whether that's a single parent or a traditional family parent or a blended family, you have so much more strength and peace and confidence because you know that your brothers and sisters are standing with you before the throne of God. So thank you, Tony. Uh, it has been a pleasure to share your story, to hear it, uh, to, to allow what God's doing through your heart to uh, impact thousands of people on our podcast. So we're grateful. Thank you for having me on. Blessings to you both. Well, Melanie, I was I was affected by that one. As uh, was I. Yeah. It was incredible to hear him uh, talk about something that we need so desperately in such simple terms. You know, I found that. So uh, for those who don't know, I'm a chiropractor, uh, practiced for almost a decade before I became a believer and a, and a pastor. And one of the things I learned in medicine is that the more complicated the problem the simpler the diagnosis, mm -hmm. like you get all these weird symptoms, but it's usually one cause. And as I'm looking at all these things that are going on in our culture, right? Like all these things are happening and all these studies are being done. And we spent so much time sort of analyzing and it's like, but what about praying? Boil it down. Simplest form. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So somebody just said, well, why don't we start praying? Yeah. It's incredible. I'm sort of like flabbergasted, like, <laughs> Wow, that sort of ties everything up. Like it really connects these generations and it radically changes a child's life and it brings the church together and it gets you off of your own sort of myopic view of whatever's wrong in your world. So and, true. I mean, it's so healthy. Like there's nothing unhealthy at all that's going on with that. And as a pastor, I'm like, there's just not that many of those options that go by, you know, <laughs> it doesn't cost money. You know, nobody's got to mm -mm. do a cam capital campaign to do this. I mean, it's like. No, and as a mom, I'm looking at it like, of course, I want more people praying for my kids and they have these great resources to, you know, walk through it. I think that their booklet, they do it three times over. They work through that same booklet of prayers three times over. Yeah. In a year. I, well, I, 
I would strongly encourage anyone. We don't need to really like break this down. I mean, it's like pray for your kids and and be intentional and go for three generations and do this pray for me campaign. It's uh, very easy to find online. It's prayformecampaign.com. And if you're on Instagram, like I am, you'll go to PFM students on Instagram. You are Instagram. I love Instagram. What, what do you call people who are really into Instagram? Instagrammers. Instagrammers. Mm-hmm. It's like a foodie, but for Instagram. <laughs> Okay. Well, uh, for Facebookers, I'll just post it on our website and uh, you can find it. The bottom line is uh, if your church is looking to engage uh, multi-generationally, make a difference, impact the culture, check out Tony Souter and the Pray For Me campaign. Absolutely. And since you're here listening, we'd love it if you just flip right over in your listening app, whatever you like to listen on and give us five stars, recommend us. And if you'll leave a little comment, that helps us too, because it pushes us up in the search results a little more. Did you know that, Brad? You know what? I didn't, but it's so helpful to hear it. It's a true story. It's true. So Melanie's an expert in social media marketing. (laughs) And so she gets to say that with real conviction and we all should believe it. I'm just a user. Well, the bottom line is she likes Instagram and I don't. And at the end of the day, that's the difference between us. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week. Be encouraged, parents. You are not alone. In Paul's letter to his son in the faith, Timothy, he writes, But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Brilliantly Brave Parenting wants to be an encouragement and support that parents can rely on. Would you consider liking us and sharing us with a friend? As a part of the Tween Gospel Alliance, we are a nonprofit organization dependent on the support of friends like you. Thanks for stopping by. We'll be right here next week.